Welcome to the Iron Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, John Garner, here with my co-host, Josh Ellis. How are you doing today, Josh? John, doing pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Thankful for the good Lord, my beautiful baby girl, Blondie family and friends. How about you, John? How are you feeling today? Feeling pretty good. Had a pretty good back workout today. Um, Slept decently last night. Feel pretty good. That's good. I know that... uh, my squat session this morning, it went, it went really well. Uh, hip mobility and everything is really starting to pay off. Uh, you know, Trevor Bazer, at Bazer Strength, uh, definitely helping me with my accessory work and allowing my hip uh, to stay up to par in anticipation of the meet in June. So really looking forward to that. Um, other than that, did you, um, did you get some good Q&As this week? So I got a couple good questions. Um one I'm going to say for the next podcast, because that's going to be a very lengthy topic. Um, one of the podcast questions I want to touch on was my thoughts on PEDs, and uh, we'll share your thoughts as well, what we um, think about that. My personal opinion with PEDs is that it's your own personal decision. Everyone has their own decisions they make in their life and where they want to go. And is that decision worth it to you? That's something you have to decide for yourself. Now, on an overview, I personally believe that the only people that should utilize PEDs are people who plan on using bodybuilding, fitness modeling at a high level, or extreme levels of powerlifting, elite powerlifting as their main goal. Because those are three situations where you're not drug tested, it's not cheating to utilize um, PEDs, and with those, it's, it's part of the sport, and that's something you have to acknowledge. Now, in the aspect of football, mixed martial arts, basketball, whatever, baseball, I do believe PEDs in that sense is messed up or in the Olympics because at that point it's tested. You're cheating a drug test to get a leg up over somebody else. You're cheating. Now, in bodybuilding, it's, there is no real b- bodybuilding that brings people to the stands the way bodybuilding has without PEDs. Natural bodybuilding is there, but everyone knows it's not as popular or as big. And all the natural organizations, while they may do okay, not as many people show up. People want to see freaks, and that's just, it's a freak show, and that's what people want to see. And so, if you're going to take the dive into PEDs, even if you're not into those sports, and that's just something you're going to do, do your research, do your due diligence, ask people, talk to people, research, research, and research. You are messing with your body's hormones, your health, you're taking time off your clock, you are literally taking life away from you in the future, especially when you make mistakes. So, hire somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, that's number one, what you should do. Now, a lot of people are going to start trying out themselves. You are your own scientific experiment with that. You've got to find what works for you and what you're going to do. I just recommend probably doing a little smarter. Now, with that being said, blood work also should be an essential. And that's something you should make a priority is making sure your blood levels are stable, your kidney values, your liver values, your cholesterol, your heart, your blood pressure, watching all of those things because it is going to take a toll on your health, especially when you go into higher dosages. Now, if you dabble with some small amounts or TRT, there's plenty of people who are healthy who utilize testosterone for hormone replacement, and that is not a bad thing. However, you start pushing the dosages up high. You start adding in multiple compounds. You know, the poison's in the dosage. How much you take, you're going to have side effects. Uh, Your thoughts on PEDs, Josh? Um, well, you know, for me, I've, I've never, I've been around plenty of people that do or have used, um, but you know, when I, when I think of PEDs or, you know, steroids and stuff like that, I think about back when it first began, back when it, it became a popular thing, 
you know, the Arnold and Franco Colombo era, uh, where you know they just got just <laughs> amazingly big. Um, again, your body is only built to be so big. The structure of your body is only built to be so big. For me, I don't judge anybody that does it. Uh, do not frown upon them uh, in doing it. Uh, as long as they know what they're really getting themselves into and they're okay with that, um, I, I, you know, hey, have at it. It's better you than me. Me personally, uh, I don't look at, I don't at it as something that is a positive thing to do uh, because, you know, you have to put everything on a balance. Um, like, what what good are you going to get out of it? Bad that you're going to get out of it. Uh, not just not just physically, but when you had stated stuff as such as the Olympics, um, you know, like if you get found cheating, it's not just a physical thing anymore. It becomes emotional. It becomes, you know, your name. Um, it becomes, you know, you're tarnished. Um, well, I know a lot of natural bodybuilding organizations, they have a wall of shame in that if you're caught doping and uh, cheating a drug test or treating, uh, cheating the uh, lie detector test or any of that, you're put on the wall of shame and excommunicated from natural competitions. Like, they're just like, no. And they put you on blast. And same thing with, uh, like, the USAPL. You'll be restricted from doing a tested meet ever again. You'll have to be considered non-tested. Um, non and even then, to depending on the extent, if it's, like, a world record, from what I've heard, I'm not sure, so don't quote me on this, I'm pretty sure they'll just stop you from being able to compete in the organization altogether, um, tested or non-tested. And you have to find a new organization. Yeah, there actually, there was actually a post recently, um, you know, stating just that. Um, you know, if you are found, you know, cheating, you know, doping, uh, you will no longer be able to compete in, the, in that specific federation. Um, do I agree with that? Absolutely. Um, because you should, you should be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm okay with this, or I'm not okay with this, or like for me, my views on PEDS is if I look at myself in the mirror, I would say you're a cheater. That's me. Because what I want to do is all natural. I want to do that raw strength, natural raw bodybuilding, straight natty. Um, for someone that is in the playing field of PEDS, not cheating because you're in that field but if you're if you're representing you know all natural strength all natural bodybuilding uh you need to be just that strictly natural but i want to push my body to its limits naturally i want to push my body to the limit without anything helping me along the way outside of you know your basic supplements your branch chain amino acids your essential amino acids and things that are going to allow your body to naturally recover on its own um, now we can go in even more depth. Uh, I have done research and looked up information regarding PEDS, regarding steroids, regarding the specific ingredients that are even anabolical uh, plant products uh, that do not require a post-training cycle. It's still an anabolic. It's still considered a derivative of a steroid. Now, with that being said, if you're interested in doing it, I would definitely talk to your family doctor. They will guide you and direct you the best, safest way that they can. They'll educate you. They'll let you know, hey, that's a good idea, not a good idea. Uh, but first and foremost, most importantly, I would definitely do what uh, you had mentioned as far as getting your blood work done, finding out what your levels really are, 
to do pads, yes. Uh, if it if it you know states for you to do it for a certain amount of time, you know, through a cycle, four weeks on, six weeks off, six weeks weeks off with a PTC, then you do just that. Um, don't overdose. Don't take in more than than you want to. Uh, the stories that I've heard is you know a lot of people that once they started they start taking it and it's like it's a drug it's an addiction you see your strength rocketing you see your body changing and transforming your body fat's getting low you know you're eating healthy you're doing your training now your training doesn't change people think okay you can you know you can you can juice up and everything's going to come easy no you still have to break your back you still have to bust your balls in that gym to make those gains yeah, everything takes hard work, and that's one thing. If you're looking for a magic pill, it's not. Hey, you're going to start, and you're going to be very disappointed if you're expecting yourself to just completely change. Now, there's going to be benefits. You're going to see a difference, but if you're expecting a night and day, like I'm going to become Mr. Olympia in two years because of this, you're full of shit, and you're shitting yourself, unless you're somebody who's a genetic freak. Um, Look at guys like Chris Bumstead, Mr. Olympia. He's in his mid-20s. He's a freak. He's a genetic freak. He doesn't take a lot from the what I've talked to with his coaches and heard his coach talk about it, who is his brother-in-law and stuff. But again, look at that kid when he was 17, 16. He doesn't look like most anybody else does. He doesn't look like we do. And so, you know, Jeanette's committed that. And even then, it took years of weightlifting and training and usage to get him to the point that he is at. And he's a genetic freak. He's an outlier. Yeah, and the thing is, is anytime you go into something, there's always going to be that the fear, that sense of not knowing. And the more you do it, the more going to learn the more you research study the more educated you'll be but before you know i urge anybody that's listening to this right now if you think it's just a simple wham bam do your work and it's done and over it's not please 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 research please study um if you're doing cycles on and off it does have a really uh, a, a negative effect on the body um in most cases, it's best for you to stay on it at a very low dose than it is to go completely off it and then back on it. Does more damage to the body. Um, well, yeah. If you think so, about like yo-yo, you think about yo-yo dieting, that does more damage than steadily building yep. up highs and lows. Now, when you're doing, though, sorry. There we go. We lost connection for a minute there, but it's still recording, so we're good. So as I was saying about um, highs and lows with the body and like dieting or PEDs, if you're on a high dosage all the time, you're burning the candle both ends. It's not you're not gonna get the results you want. You're gonna get your health messed up and you're gonna die young. Simple way to put it. You're gonna get messed up. But if you just run at low doses all the time, there are benefits over time of just like the hormone therapy. Some They call it a blast and a cruise. Cruise, you stay at a TRT level over time. You blast, that's contest prep, off-season, whatever you're doing, you bump dosage up, you add in different compounds. That keeps you much more stable and keeps a steady release of a hormone in your body versus when you come completely off, you're no longer produced testosterone by yourself. Your body is not capable of producing much, if any, testosterone. And so at that point, you do what's called a post-cycle therapy, PCT. You do that for an extended amount of time. Um, that's going to be dependent on what you ran, how much you ran, how long you ran it, how long your PCT goes. You get off, and then at that point, you should be closer to a normal level. But your baseline will never be the same anymore from anybody I've ever heard. Uh, unless you get a coach who really knows how to bring you back and you weren't too far. And with that being said, um, if you're going to make the decision and you're falling down there, especially when you're someone who's in their late 20s, um, in their 30s, 
staying on is a lot easier and safer and a logical decision than somebody who may be early 20s and you know, you're still producing a lot of natural testosterone. It's easy to get it back. But even at that point, you got to think about what you're trying to accomplish and is it going to help you to jump off and jump on, jump off and jump on? Because then you're just playing yo-yo with your hormones and you're not going to feel very good. Yeah. And there's um, people who are on both sides of the story. You'll hear some coaches who are like, come on and off. You'll hear some coaches who say it's better to stay on. Well, they'll take a short amount of time off to, you know, for kidney values, to liver values more than for any hormone health whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, again... There's, there's things that it's not, there's multiple steps to prevent negative outcomes when it comes to using, you know, you're, you're going to want to take a separate supplement for liver function. You're going to want to take a separate supplement to, for your cortisol levels, you know, so there's, there's a whole lot that needs to be learned. So again, as John stated, as I'm stating, do your research, do your studying, you know, um, Follow people on Instagram, research the, the people that you do know that are, you know, big name brand bodybuilders or guys out there that you do know that, you know, are using and have been using for some time. Um, listen to some of their stories, maybe reach out and, and talk to them, tell them, you know, what you're interested in. Maybe you can get a little bit of guidance. But first and foremost, before you reach out to anybody on Instagram, before you research anything online, please, 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 please go see your doctor or find a doctor that you can start getting blood work done by on a consistent base so that you're not switching up going to different doctors because you want to be around. You want to go to the same doctor consistently um, so that they know what's going on with your body. Uh, if you're bouncing around from person to person, nobody has a main streamline of, you know, where you was at, you know, two tests to go. Uh, so again, before you go into it, really, truly know what you're getting into, understand the side effects. And if it's really worth it, have at it, be safe, you know, get strong, get big. Um, but other than that, you know, just really, really know what you're doing. I mean, if you're ready for it, I wish you the best. But other than that, that's that's pretty much that's my view on it. I'll touch on one more thing with the doctors. And again, PEDs are illegal. So doctors may be hesitant to help you. Now, of course, they'll look at your blood values and whatever else. But if you're looking for guidance and somebody to honestly do something besides tell you not to do it, you may have to go through a couple doctors to find that out and find your doctor who's willing to help you. And I've heard um, from different big name bodybuilders and they their discussions on it and some guys go through quite a few doctors before they find somebody who's willing to help them instead of just telling them to come off and that they won't help them and now i find that that's probably pretty rare finding one of the guys who's not willing to help you as much as willing to help you unless someone's really just not well versed and doesn't understand them and so that may be a challenge but once you get somebody who understands is there for you stick with that doctor because they're gonna have a whole whole picture same thing with working with a coach if you coach hop nobody knows what's going on you're not going to make progress stick with one coach you trust and work with them for an extended period of time and then at the end of the day if things don't work out then move but if you're coach hopping all the time you're not going to get anywhere but with that i guess we can hop into our topic for the day uh, we're going to be discussing progressive overload because we did discuss peds i will talk about how that may change or make it easier to continuously progressive overload but as far as progressive overload goes, we've all heard of it. It's the mysterious name that gets thrown around in pushing progress. Progressive overload is progressively changing or creating a bigger, better stimulus or more stimulus to cause a greater adaptation. Now, progressive overload isn't every single day always. It's over a course of weeks, months, years. But over time, things have to get harder. You have to provide a new or more difficult or 
unrecognized stimulus in order for the body to improve and adapt. So um, there are many ways to utilize progressive overload. It's not just putting load on the bar. It's not just adding sets. It's not just adding reps. There's a lot of ways to do that over an extended period of time or from session to session. Um, what are your immediate thoughts that come to mind when you hear progressive overload, Josh? Uh, well, you know, of course, it's it's going to be different depending on uh, what your goals are, uh, what type of competitor you are. Uh, for me, powerlifting, progressive overload is completely opposite of bodybuilding, progressive overload. Uh, my overloads on uh, powerlifting, of course, won't be as uh, often, uh, per se, as, say, bodybuilding, uh, because you can progressively overload set um, in bodybuilding or each week um, or day-to-day, again, depending on your goals. As far as progressive overload, you want to be able to add, like you had stated, you know, that extra five pounds on that next lift, or you want to be able to raise the intensity um, in your training, you know, instead of taking 60-second breaks, take 30-second break. Um, the progressive overload is just exerting that body that little bit more in so many areas. And so like, instead of doing just a one exercise deal, do, you know, a superset. That's a progressive overload. Um, <clears throat> for me, you know, I, like this morning, um, did three sets of four at 370 uh, competition squats. So next week, it'll go up to you know, say 375 for three sets of three, um, you know, or if I go into competition Paul squats last week, um, did 375, uh, this past week did 390. And, you know, the first week was, um, three sets of two. Um, last week, uh, this past week, uh, it had went up in weight, but maybe three sets of two. So you can change your reps, you can change your reps, you can change your weight, change your intensity. Again, it's just naturally allowing the body to overload itself. So you hear uh, me talk about beating the logbook a lot, and I'll talk about training beating the logbook. And basically what that means is you log your workout, you know what weight you did. You got to beat it somehow, whether it's reps, whether it's sets, whether it's weight on the bar, whether it's a shorter rest period whether it's you're 20 pounds lighter this time but hit the same weight guess what that's overload you know that's another stimulus you've never done that weight at that body weight before um another way to do it is time under tension you increase the time under tension of a movement better execution of a movement that is huge especially getting to more advanced people how can i make this movement better so i'll do 10 reps at 500 pounds on a hack squat next week if i get 10 reps at 500 pounds but my movement is better and it's better executed my engagement's better that is overload so people get so caught up and it has to be load on the bar it has to be this it has to be that you look at powerlifting programming there are stages where you have pretty high volume people talk about powerlifting being low volume there are points in time when volume may be higher they call it an accumulation phase you're accumulating fatigue building up volume building up your gpp or general general physical preparedness you're building that up so that you have more to give to your heavy stuff later you have more conditioning you have more work capacity so through that period of time you may start at three sets of five then four sets of five five sets of five six sets of five something like that of that nature or other things i mean there's a million ways you can change it over a period of time 
reps are going to drop down, sets may increase, or both will decrease when you go towards bumping the intensity and loading the bar up. There are many ways to do it. And in powerlifting, you'll see percentage-based stuff a uh, little to failure, especially with your compound movements. You're not going to train to failure because the central nervous system, you're training the central nervous system when it comes to powerlifting. You know, it's a neural adaptation when you get that strength adaptation. It's a neural adaptation as much as it is uh, muscularly or skeletally. Now, with that in mind, so you'll see, you know, four sets of four at 75%. Okay, well, that's not near failure. It's not a load that I haven't touched before. How is that making me better? Better execution, better movement, moving that load differently than you have before. So that's still improvement over a period of time. You're going to be increasing and you're 74%. Okay, now you're doing forces for 80%, which maybe you couldn't have done at that weight before. And it just compounds and builds on itself with trying to minimize the amount of stress or fatigue you have over a period of time. And as you bring down your fatigue levels, your recovery is going to shoot up and you'll have better chances of pushing heavier weights up. Um, when it pertains to bodybuilding, um, I mean, there's RIR, reps and reserve style training, there's training to failure. Either way, you're looking for more reps, more sets, more time retention, whatever it may be. Over a period of time, you're going to be improving and putting more on top of that. Now, this doesn't run out forever. There's time periods where you have to change out the movement. That's also progressive overload. I did hack squat for this. I ran it for 12 weeks and progressively overloaded on it. No longer could add reps or load to the bar. Now you change out the exercise. Now you change up the stimulus and now you work that through. Next time you go to hack squat, guess what? You'll be able to push that little bit farther. So it's not just session to session, you know, it's years, it's months, it's over a period of time, your weight's gonna get heavier. If you look at a big bodybuilder, you know, they weren't doing four plates on an incline press six years ago. However, over that course of the first two years, you know, they put on strength, but that wasn't their only focus. Yeah, and you need to always be able to utilize all your opportunities to progressively overload the body, not just in, you know, switching up the exercises, rotating the bar, switching up the percentages, the weights, but they have things out there such as a slingshot that you use for benching, uh, knee wraps for your knees, uh, knee sleeves at a high uh, bench shirts, uh, lifting in gear, being able to set up a future method, also known as uh, attack bands to uh, the top side of a rack and either benching or uh, deadlifting uh, out of those or squatting out of those. And what it does is it allows you to add weight, heavier weight to the bar and essentially throughout the lift make it a little bit harder to progressively overload for the body. Again, there's so many different methods out there that we can use. You just have to be able to uh, coordinate those into your programming. And that's one thing you'll hear some people who are just like failure, failure, failure only or, you know, never trained to failure or there's so many ways to skin the cat. And my personal opinion is it's a puzzle. You know, everything is multiple pieces from multiple rep ranges, multiple philosophies. If you only train till failure, you know, you have to take time away from that and do a more strength focused straight set method versus a failure set method. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. How I personally program in myself and my bodybuilding is a lot of failure training, but that's not over the course of my entire bodybuilding career in the future. There are going to be periods of times where it's, you know, a five by five rather than a top set of as many reps as I can get with a back down set of as many reps as I can get. But as of right now, let's say, for example, um, incline bench, I hit a top set of four to seven reps. I'm looking for four to eight reps. That's my heavy. Let's say I hit 245. Now I do a back down set at 185. Let's say I hit 15. 
next week, my goal is on the top set to get one more rep than I did last week or add a little bit of load to the bar as long as execution is the same and engagement is the same. So now I'm going to try 250 at the same amount of reps. If I get that, boom, next week I go 255, same amount of reps, boom, got it. Now I go 260, same amount of reps, got it. Or I hit 260 and I just can't get an extra rep. I can't get that rep. I fall one rep short. So now at that point, I'm going to take the weight back down and I'm going to shoot for an extra rep out of 255 or an extra rep a little lighter and then you build back through and now you're doing sets of six instead of sets of five or whatever else. Um, if I'm doing like bicep curls, it's this week I did three sets of 10, um, last set tell failure at 14 reps. Well, next week I'm looking for those three sets of 10 to be a little heavier or more time under tension. That failure set, I'm looking for an extra rep or um, an intensifier as well as a way you can do that. So let's say you do a leg extension set. You get 15 reps at 170 pounds. Next week, you do 15 reps at 170 pounds. You drop the weight down to 110 and get as many reps as you can there. You just added a whole lot of stimulus that you didn't have the week before. You successfully utilized an intensifier for a progressive overload. Um, intensifier is something I see thrown around too much. A lot of people just throw them in there because it's hard. It's brutal. If you don't need it, don't use it. You know, progress exactly. can't. This is the battle I have with a lot of clients, a lot of people. More isn't better. Better is better. Get more out of less. Instead of five sets, do two really brutal fucking sets and work those, overload on those, progress those, then add an intensifier or then add another set. So if I'm doing one set to failure on a movement, how I'm going to do that once I can't add load to that set anymore, I'm just going to add either an intensifier or another working set. Boom, now I got two sets to failure. And now accumulating fatigue over that time with failure can be high. So you can't take your volume too high with that. So that's where the reps going up comes into play rather than just adding a set. Because if you had a set every week to a failure set, you're going to get burnt out and no one wants to do 10 sets of failure. Like that's too much, you know, especially on one movement. And see, uh, uh, what else goes along with this is, you know, if you're doing this type of intensive training, you know, and you're talking about doing 10, set, 10 sets to a failure, dude, your ATP's been gone. Yeah, you um, have nothing left in the tank. You're, you're just moving away. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, if you're going into your training and you're dying out, you know, within your first couple sets, the rest of your workout, the rest of your sets, the rest of your muscle engagement is not going to be at full force, especially if you're not tapping into uh, an intra workout, you know, taking in you know, carbs or protein shakes or something to allow your body to recover within that workout in that hour, hour and a half, two hours, you're still falling short. You know, so there's a lot of elements that are applied to this. But all in all, you can figure out if you're getting stronger by adding your total weight. You had stated hitting 245 you know, for you know, six to eight reps, okay? So say you want to do you know, your 245 for eight reps. So what you'll do is you'll take your 245, you'll multiply it by eight. By eight, that's 1,960 pounds of volume that you just hit. If you take that lift right there and you add – all the rest of your lifts the same way in one week, accessories and everything, each set, each rep that was done properly, say you come to 20,000 pounds at the end of a week. As long as you go 20,000 pounds and five the next week, then that is your 1%. That is your game. 
that's another way to really find out what your total volume is in your upper body and your lower body and your biceps, triceps, whatever. You know, there's different ways to do the math here, but all in all, your total at the end of every week has to be beat to know that you're going, that you're progressing, that you're getting stronger. You, same thing with your reps. You know, add all your total reps. If the weights are not changing and the reps are staying the same, everything's the same for one week, take your total rep range. Okay, I hit, you know, this number, this number, this number, this number, and this number on these many sets all the way out through the end. Say I got, you know, 1,200 reps, and the next week you get 1,201 or 1,211 or 20, whatever. You know that you just made gains. You know, numbers don't lie. That's when they talk about volume being the driving force of hypertrophy. While it may not be inherently a Bible, like Ten Commandments statement of like, this is law, that is a true factor to a point. And now you can only push volume so high before you can't recover from it. So that's when you push load. But even then, volume technically over time will increase or you'll bring down the reps and sets. And then again, over time, build that number back up at the end of the week, just through a heavier load versus more reps or whatever and how you change that. But that's when people talk about volume being the driving force of hypertrophy. It isn't doing 10 freaking sets of one movement, annihilating a muscle group. It's over a period of time, the load that you move and the reps you've done, everything combined over a course of time is increasing. That is at its finest and purest progressive overload at its simplest. Now, that is one thing being enhanced makes it easier to do. Recover, you're only strong as your ability to recover. You will only get so strong if you don't prioritize recovery. Some people recover better genetically. It's there. Some people are genetic freaks. They respond to high volume well, low volume well. They just, they recover well. Anabolics enhance your ability to recover. That's one of the big things about them. Your protein turnover, your nitrogen, everything is higher. So there, and your cortisol, testosterone pushes down your cortisol. Your stress levels can only get so high when on anabolics. It kind of regulates itself a bit. So you're able to recover better, which means you're able to add more load to the bar faster, better, more efficiently. You know, you can add more reps more efficiently. You can come back the next day and not feel sore easier. Like, and that's not to say, like, if you're an anabolic user, you're still going to get sore. So that you shouldn't be to the point where you can't function out of soreness, whether you're enhanced or not enhanced. You still need to prioritize recovery. And just because you're enhanced doesn't mean you don't have to prioritize recovery. Yep. So when you, when you decide to, uh, say, Say you have a client that, you know, pets, and when when do you actually draw the line on a safe progressive overload? Because, I mean, obviously, if you're on pets, the body's getting stronger than it actually can. The tendons aren't keeping up to par. Um, you know, you have to be able to do you know tendon work along with muscle tissue work because, of course, the muscle's going to grow a whole lot faster uh, and stronger. The tendon kind of fights to keep up. When, when do you, when do you know or realize that this person's getting super strong? We got to make sure that they stay safe so they don't say pop a pec, uh, tear a bicep, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that also goes ties into what we've mentioned a couple times is when you see people training like that, like the Dorian Yates high intensity method low volume just a couple sets of an exercise and done like out and just all out failure and you do that over time progressively overload like that's the high intensity Dorian Yates method and that's what you know has been proven time and time again to make a lot of bodybuilders big you know but with that 
if you're not doing the mobility work, if you're not doing the uh, myofascial release, the foam rolling, the stretching, the um, mashing of tissue and loosening things up, you're going to run that limit. Yeah. Massage therapy, yoga, cupping, these different um, techniques people overlook and say they're not useful. Well, they're not as important as your food and recovery, but at a point like you want to be able to move if you can't stretch a muscle and then you put a heavy load on that muscle and force it in that position, it can only handle that so much. Your tendons, it's no secret that over a period of time, PEDs affect your tendon strength and ligament tissue um, and that over time it decays a bit. Now, a lot of people get away with that um, carrying extra body fat versus low body fat. When you have a little extra body fat, you retain more water, more water around your joints, things move better. When you're super lean, your joints don't feel as good. Heavier loads feel harder, your joints don't feel as great. Um, PD such as like um, high aromatizing compounds such as like an MPP or DECA or something like that. I'm pretty sure everyone who's ever looked at PEDs knows what DECA is. So we'll use that example. It increases water retention, water retention around the joints. It has been said theoretically to help with joint tissues and stuff like that now that's not inherently true when you look at the research but it does help with the holding more water and in that aspect helping your joints now supplementing with things that are made to help your joints you know making sure you're taking something as simple as your fish oil fish oil is a joint support supplement as much as a heart support supplement it is very important for your body and i know we're running close on time here so i'll try to make this quick but um if i look at a client this is where feedback and communication Shit communication gets you shit results. As simple as that. If you can't communicate with your coach, no matter what the situation, you're not going to get as far as you could. Crystal clear communication, biofeedback. How's your recovery? How's your appetite? How's everything feeling overall? Being descriptive with that. How's the weight moving? How do you feel? You wake up in the morning. Are you in pain? Like all these different things that we talk about, I need that feedback so I can make those adjustments. And that's at a point um, D-loads come into play or instead of a D-load, you know, take four days off from the gym, take your weights down 20%. And then build from there again. So let's say you're progressing really well. Things are getting heavy, but it looks like it's just maybe too much strength, too fast. Your joints are starting to hurt and you're pressing, you know, five plates on bench for reps. So we'll just throw that out there. I mean, I don't have any clients pushing five plates for reps, but we use that for example. I'm like, that's just a little too much more than we want right now. Or we can even use heavy dumbbells as an example. Well, why don't we take the weight back 20% after you take four days off? Now, when you do that, then you're just going to overload again, small amounts, five pounds each side every week or a couple pounds each week. So then you can slow down that adaptation and you're just going to push more reps out of the lighter loads. And then as you get to those heavier loads, again, your reps may come down a bit and then forcing that. So, and also staying within your rep ranges, know your limits. If you're doing ones, twos, and threes, there's a lot more tension on your ligaments, a lot more higher risk of injury than doing sets eight and above, 10 and above. Now you've got to stay within multiple rep ranges to get true progress. It's a puzzle piece. As we said, everything works together. You have to be stronger. A stronger muscle has more potential to become a bigger muscle. A bigger muscle has more potential to become a stronger muscle. That's not saying there aren't little guys who are super strong and there aren't real strong guys who are little, whatever else, or real big guys who aren't that strong. They're still stronger than the average person. And you have to know how to maneuver that and how to watch out for that and communicate with people. If you feel like you're getting too strong too fast, bring the reps higher, lower the load. Keep the intention the same. And again, technique is going to be huge with this one. Don't let your ego get in the way and sacrifice technique for load. Your job as a bodybuilder is to train the muscle. So stay within your active ranges of motion. When you're a beginner, full range of motion, I think, is essential. Active range of motion, 
I don't talk about with a lot of clients who are just getting started because I want that full range of motion and full engagement. As the loads get heavier, you need to think about biasing the target muscle more. When you bias the target muscle, let's say a dumbbell press, you're not bringing the bar down or the dumbbell down all the way until your shoulder is being stretched out. You're stretching the pec and you're contracting the pec. You're utilizing the pec. When you move past those active ranges of motions are when those ligaments really get stretched. And when you get really flipping strong and your goal is to get big, there's no point to utilize a full range of motion and increase your risk of injury when your job as a bodybuilder is to grow tissue. No one cares if you're doing three quarters of the way down squats. If you're doing that because you want to bias the quad and not put anything into your lower back hips and as much into your adductors, then by all means do that as long as you're doing it with intent. There has to be intent behind what you're doing. And remember that load is not the point, even though it is a measure of progress and it is important, load is not the end game biasing the target tissue is if you keep that in mind your chance of getting hurt peds or not is going to be a lot lower because you're not going to let ego get in the way you're going to keep your movements more controlled there's going to be engagement you get sloppy you get hurt it's time time again people get sloppy with reps they take things till absolute failure of an entire movement breakdown rather than technique failure when you fail it should be you can no longer get one more perfect rep now you can force out extra reps with help you know a dumbbell your partner helps you force out two extra reps keep the form good form variance with me when i train to failure have clients do anything to failure between 10 to 15 percent variance from a textbook technique for that person's individual movements so if you have to use a little bit of hips in a barbell row you have to use a little bit of momentum to get an extra two curls i'm cool with that within a small variance it's that big variance when people just start swinging load because they want to feel the burn and that's when you're going to mess yourself up that's when you're going to get hurt and your ego's driving you not progress and not your obsession with getting results so with that being said everybody i hope that you know all this information was beneficial uh, we would definitely like to continue uh, this conversation because this could go on for a few podcasts or so much longer. Please hit us up, give us Q&As, give us your views, let us know what you think and feel about what we discussed about. If you have thoughts and feelings, questions regarding the pets, uh, progressive overload, any anything else, maybe something personal, please reach out to us. Let us be able to you know, put your question out there. We can keep it private if you prefer. You know, we're here to help people, and we really appreciate, thank everybody, and understanding um, and what we're trying to offer here. Uh, sorry the podcast is a little bit late. Life is life. It happens. No excuses. Uh, better chances on everything hitting on Monday next week. Really looking forward to some good feedback on this one, and I hope everybody has a really good day. Uh, John? I think we had some great value here. I hope you guys take it. And again, as he said, reach out to us. If you need some advice or you're thinking about utilizing PEDs, reach out to me, to Josh. We can put you in contact with people who we trust to talk about the subject. If you're looking for some basic information, I'm well-versed enough to give you an outline of what things do and what they are. But I am not a PED coach. I'm not an advanced supplement coach. I'm not at that level. And so I can put you in touch with many people who are. Don't hesitate to reach out because I'd rather help you find the right person than see you mess yourself up down the road. So again, Iron Legacy Podcast, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, John Garner. You can find me on Instagram at the Iron Lion underscore official. And again, Josh. At Ellis Joshua M. We'll see you next time.